For so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up. Mm-hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. A number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's the Joe Beaver Show. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Wow, the phone's ringing already, and we haven't pitched. It may be Andy and Mitchell. Am I right? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. The Downward Dog phone line is ringing as we sit down in studio. Whomever it is, if you're listening, we're kind of getting fully situated here. John will answer it here momentarily. We hope to hear from many of you as we go today on the Joe Beaver Show. If you're unable to call, we would love to have you text on the University Honda text line. The number for the number for each is fine. That was well worth the time, wasn't it? Joe Beaver Show. Joe Beaver Show. Please wait. Don't, yeah. Just don't call until we're. A couple minutes in. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Five four one. We appreciate those people being yeah. anxious to share yeah, thoughts. Yeah, we are. Five four one four nine seven fifty three fifty six. We're going to try it again on the downward dog phone line. The okay. The University Honda text line is the same number. There we go. Okay, there. I think we're trying now. Yeah. Somehow it got on mute. Okay, I was right. I saw that phone ring, and I said, the way that line's ringing, it looks like a call from Andy from Mitchell. <laughs> so Andy from Mitchell will join us here in a moment. Andy, just kind of hang tight. We want to get your full thoughts on all things. And today, with a lot of open phone time, Alan Thayer will join us at 1230. There's a fine article that we highly commend even though Alan said it's good, but it, it doesn't have a lot of new information. That was his take on reading Ross Dellinger and Yahoo Sports. But we do recommend as kind of a summation of things and kind of where we are and where we may be going with respect to the Pac-2 and alliance scheduling in the Mountain West and playoff access and money. Dellinger has a piece today on Yahoo Sports. So if you want to read that before we talk to Alan and maybe even email us, hey, ask Alan this. It's almost a session. What would we call that? Uh, 
not a session with Sarah. What sort of a literary term can we come up with? Alan Thayer. Uh, tidbits for Thayer. I mean, I don't know. But we, we're going to talk to Alan at 1230. I like that. But if you want to read Dellinger, it's a long article, long-form article on Yahoo Sports by their outstanding college football writer, Ross Dellinger. Dellinger's been uh, accessed often by the folks on Locked on Big 12, Drake Toll and Immaculate and whomever else joins that fine show and podcast. Drake, by the way, has never gotten back to me in our own request to have him on the Joe Beaver show, but he is a busy man with a busy life. But he does tap into Dellinger stuff quite a bit, and I think Dellinger's even been a guest on their Locked on Big 12. So okay. I give Dellinger props for his reporting in this article. And if you get a chance to read it, consume it, and maybe share, okay, well, here's what it says to me, or reading between the lines, which is still all we're doing. But Scott Barnes is quoted in the Dellinger piece, and so is Pat Chun. And here is the quote from our own Scott Barnes. The preceding paragraph says this, Washington State and Oregon State administrators have been in communication with those from the college football playoff about both playoff access and revenue distribution. So stop there before I give the quote from Barnes, the Dellinger got from Scott, to say that that paragraph, Alan Thayer's doctrine would be, there's nothing new there. We we know that Correct. to be the case. Correct. So Alan, when he read the whole piece and texted me back, he said, well, a little bit of fact, a lot of speculation, nothing really new. And I, get, I think Alan's right about that. But what I do like about this piece is it kind of sums up a lot of the issues that we've been kicking around and, and contending with and trying to deal with. So I think it's a good piece in that respect. Anyway, Washington State and Oregon State administrators, writes Dellinger, have been in communication with those from the CFP about both playoff access and revenue distribution. The next paragraph reads thusly, quote, We, this is Scott Barnes now, we want fair consideration under a Power Five umbrella. Oregon State Athletic Director Scott Barnes told Yahoo Sports, quote, We want access, and distribution is important. We didn't put ourselves in this position. We'll continue to invest at a Power Five level. We have an expectation that we'll be able to discuss what access and distribution look like while we are creating our path forward, unquote. There is also uh, another uh, quote from Pat Chun. Pat Chun, quote, and he's the AD, Scott's counterpart at Washington State, quote, both schools respect the playoff and understand the need to keep the integrity of the playoff, said Chun, Quote, the conversations I've had and we're going to have with the CFP, we will get there. There's a lot of noise and bluster, but our side of the fence does understand the key factors. We're committed to keep the integrity of the playoff. And both talk in this article about how neither Washington State nor Oregon State created the situation they're in, but that others did and that there is uh, there's another quote from Scott that, and I I read the whole thing this morning. Let me see here. I, 
I'm going to have to get back to it, but Alan Thayer will join. And there's, it's a long article, is my point. And I didn't have a highlighter. I read it online. Do you have another quote from Scott there, no, Johnny? No, oh. but I see one from Sankey that's interesting. Washington State and Oregon State met in Pullman. Da, 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 for some in a, an unchanged playoff format as a non-starter, granting one group of five champion automatic berth is, quote, hard enough to explain, but it was a compromise, Sankey said. Granting two G5 champions right. access would, in most cases, mean leaving out two top... 12-ranked teams for an unranked team. The system really can't justify that. If you displace the 11th best at-large team with an unranked team, the system can't explain itself. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we should care about what they think because the well, more right. I read into this, and especially with Scott Barnes' quote, the more it kind of becomes clear, and I think this this may be coming out even more from, from uh, Scott Barnes' And from Pat Chun, I hope it does, this rhetoric of, we didn't do this, right. you did this to us. Right, and that's the, I found it now, the yeah. very next paragraph, and the one I quoted about, we have an expectation, says Scott, that we'll be able to discuss what access and distribution look like while we create our path forward. The next paragraph reads thusly from Ross Dellinger. In a message presumably meant for conference commissioners whose leagues have swelled with the addition of existing Pac-12 schools, Barnes added, quote, we didn't cause this. Those that did need to help us with the solution, But see, unquote. I know. I like that. And it makes me take it even a step further to be able to say there's more to it to we didn't cause this. Now you're getting into the world of... Uh, you better yes, make this right. Right, or we're going to make Sue it very, the pants off right. of everyone yeah, and, for, and bring yeah. down From the house of cards. From here to eternity. And exactly. bring down the house yeah, of cards. Maybe. Because they're, they're I don't know, yeah. I don't know legalese, mm-hmm. but one has to believe, and maybe Alan can tell us this, they're inhibiting business. Yes. Restraining trade. They're, they're restraining trade, <laughs> right. inhibiting business right. because they want something. They want their toys. Yeah. And they're taking everything away from two entities that are a part of this big commerce thing mm-hmm. and restricting the ability yes. to do business at the level they've been doing. I think the That's Beavers correct. and the Cougars, from that, I think they have... I think they think they feel like they, they think they've they got them where they want them, kind of in the sense yeah. of the, the legal arguments yeah, involved in, here. In fact, Dougie and I were talking about this this morning. It prompts the question: November fourteenth is about essentially ownership of the conference assets. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then I started thinking about you know what entities do and do not care about. Um. What's the word we always use? Revealing, revealing, uh, discovery, discovery. Mm-hmm. Then I got to thinking, well, let's see, discovery doesn't really come into play unless there's a lawsuit, of which there isn't, because we're not worried about discovery for this Pac-12 thing. That's almost a slam dunk, but but discovery won't come in until there's a lawsuit. So really, we're waiting to see if and when anyone, any entity, I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's the Beavers and Cougars, decide which goes hand in hand with this, what we're talking about now, and that is the restriction of, of, of ability to do business. And I, I think I think that the remaining two are holding a lot of really good cards in this I one. think that could well be. It's a good hand. That's the sense you're getting, yeah. that we're getting from all of this, and Alan Thayer may either confirm or affirm that when he joins us at 1230. In the meantime, we'll set that aside for a bit and get back to something from yesterday. Because I felt from Dave's call and from others, 
and a text and text that we receive. And we want to get to some unfinished business on the text line about how things look and feel when it comes to this sense of, for lack of a better word, conspiracy, an agenda. Because on a certain level, I could tell Dave was saying, you, you know, from Tom Water, whom we have great, a great deal of respect and friendship for and with actually through the years, all the calls and all of that. Dave felt I was being a bit too, it's easy just to laugh it off. Ah, there's no, there's no star chamber like I tried to put in. And I'm even asking the question, okay, okay, let's just say for a second, there is a conspiracy. Or, so how do you think it works? How do, what's the chain of command? How do we get the orders to the crews to make the right kind of calls? I think most of you stopped short of saying, eh, okay, maybe there isn't that. Mm-hmm. But there is a shared collective understanding as to how things should and ought to go and what we, the powers that be, can do to try to help that get help us get where we want to be. And that includes our officials in games who we're not giving direct orders. There's no paper, there's no email chain to was the White there, Hat. Was there verbal exchange? Well, and, and there may probably maybe not even that. Just this sense, this overarching sense that that when those of you who come in on the side of eh, something's a little suspicious here, you're not, I don't think most of you believe that there's an actual agenda in a closed door chamber. Here's how we kind of want, if you can affect this, here's kind of how we want you to do it. I don't think any of you really believe that, do you? Or do you just think that there's this shared understanding about how it's supposed to go. What well, people tell I still have not seen the flag picked up in the Arizona State Washington game, but everybody that I've talked to, including my friend Carl Mazdum this morning, who said he watched it, he said it was ridiculous. On what grounds do you pick up the flag and not? There is no pat. There is no uh, f- call for pass interference here that would have given Arizona State the ball at the two and a first and goal. Yeah, and they picked up the flag. Why? That's the big question. Why? Could the officials with all integrity say, well, we talked about it and, you know, they just, it didn't rise to the threshold of pass interference after all. Yeah, that's or, the problem. That's the problem of not ever getting to know where, where the league doesn't come and tell you. Well, they don't have to in that sense as well. We decided after all, it wasn't. Everybody who's watched it that I've talked to said, even Husky fans. Yeah. <laughs> We got away with one there. And why well, then the, why did they get away yeah, with it? Yeah, and why wouldn't the league come out and make a statement on it if it's so big? And honestly, leagues and, and con- entities like we talked about yesterday that are in control when you have conspiracies, they want that control to be the illusion that they're not there pulling the strings. So then if collectively everybody is questioning that flag getting picked up, one would think then that the entity in control, if they are, would quickly come out and make a statement. Right. Just say, oh, no, no. They, yeah, they, they, to they temper any questions. One official saw it differently and, and had a stronger opinion than the yeah. other. But hey, there, yeah. you saw it from your angle, but from where I was, there was no, okay, well, we'll pick up the flag then. Right, and uh, if they did, then we'd say, oh, that was a quick response. Right. They must be guilty. So, But they haven't yet. I'm just... Thinking, though, that usually they would. They, well, yeah, nothing, right. nothing to see here. Right. So we get back to, and we want to, I guess, in a sense, be less dismissive because I also thought about in the NBA, about that infamous, not so much Tim Donahue and all of that, something more innocuous. 
that I still that stays with me forever, mm. and that is one official saying to the NBA player, I, I was nowhere near the guy when the foul was called. How mm-hmm. can you call that on me? And that official said to the player, it was picked up on a hot mic, yeah, I know, but that would have been Larry Bird's fifth foul. You don't, we don't want him out of the game. <laughs> that That anecdote speaks to what we're talking yeah. about here. Did David Stern and whoever Adam Silver say to the, is there, you know, look, we want to keep the stars in as long as we can. Is there a meeting, a memo, a, or just this shared understanding that, look, we're all in this together. We want the stars to play on as much as they can. We're not one day that, I mean, there was a proven conspiracy against Allen Iverson that officials admitted to when they were mad at AI for something. And he, you know, palms the ball yeah. a lot on that hard crossover. One game, one, they called it on him every time because they wanted to. <laughs> but certain other nights, they don't. Yeah. So that whole NBA anecdote, as I started thinking about it, got me eh, a little more, I don't know how it works, folks, but something feels to be at work at times. And so I'm just wondering if you believe that. And the picking up of the flag in Seattle was because Washington represents a better path forward than Arizona State winning that game would have. Yeah. Is that the shared understanding? And so officials are going to kind of do, even if they're not directly commanded to, hey, here's a, here's a place well, where we can affect, we can r- help right. our cause right here, right now. Because if they lose that game, yeah. they're out of the top they're probably, five. They're probably, yeah, the and they're like, they're, Potentially heading to being out of the playoff, was out it? of the money. and Who was it that called yesterday? I think it was Greg that said, and it's dead on, we have to make sure we're up by two touchdowns. That's what Greg, Greg came down to yeah. when it comes to Washington, that we better be up comfortably so that in the end, and a push comes to shove kind of that moment. That they can't do it. That they can't, they can't take it from Oregon State. Now. All of that said, I'm still not sure I fully subscribe to all of that, a little of it, any of it. I'm just wondering how you all feel about it now on day two. So if you want to get into Dellinger's article, Alan Thayer upcoming at 1230. The actual game itself, Saturday night in Tucson, your thoughts on the Beavers and Arizona. We're going to take a quick break. We got behind Andy. So Andy... We need to take a quick one here. Andy and Dave are on deck. Andy and Mitchell, Dave and Tumwater, hope you have the time and wherewithal to hang with us. We'll take a quick break and then have plenty of time without any pressure on the other side. If you want to take up the game itself Saturday night in Tucson, your anxiety level about it. Ross Dellinger today in Yahoo Sports. And how does it all, if we all kind of have this squeamish, uneasy sense of something's never quite fully right How does it all work? Or is it just this collective overarching understanding that we all kind of have? That's how it works. (laughs) We'll take a break. Back with more on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. K-E-J-O. 1240. Before the day is over, we might even talk about a Game 7 last night and a Game 7 tonight. I watched uh, a lot of it. But here we go. Yeah, we'll get to it. Let's go to Andy and Mitchell, who called us at the beginning of the show with Tom Water on deck, to use a baseball term. Andy, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. 
Good morning, Mike and John. Well worth the wait. Well worth the wait to chat with you guys. I will um, take the bait, I guess, on a couple of your prompts from the beginning, and then I do have some things I want to get into about the game. But um, just off the top, yeah, the Dellinger article, I read it as well this morning, and I do agree with Alan. There wasn't a to me, there wasn't a ton in there if you've been following it closely and invested like most Beaver fans and Coug fans have been from the beginning. It's, it's a lot of the same stuff we were hearing a few weeks ago locally and at other regional levels. Um, so there wasn't a ton there, but I do really like Ross Dillinger. He's a good reporter at the national level, and so he was a little more thorough in it. It was long form, had some good quotes. But my takeaway was it's more of kind of the same contingency plans we've been hearing and then it really none of this really matters until November 14th or whenever we get the next directive uh, from the court. So um, I'll be waiting to hear on that. But it's, it's kind of a non-starter for me right now because, yes, it's a scenario, but to me it's still just laying out of basically what a, you know, a contingency plan would mm-hmm. look like. And that, not, none of that um, was all that groundbreaking in my opinion. But, yeah, Ross does good work. He's part of the um, College Football Inquirer podcast, which is a great listen um, for college football fans at the national level, so okay. I'll that for him. Good. Um, however, the and then and then the conspiracy. Oh, I love a good conspiracy out here in Mitchell with my tinfoil <laughs> hat. Uh, but I, you know, I watched the end of the, the Washington game as well. I saw it all live, and I don't think. I honestly, if I was going to summarize it, I just think Pac-12 officiating isn't at the highest level. I don't know about necessarily. Um, you know, conspiracy. I do believe those things go on, though, of the unspoken and a little wink and nod mm-hmm. regarding, I mean, when you have the number five team in the country coming off a huge win, there's all this momentum. Um, you know, I, I think there might be a little of that back-channeling going on there if, it's, if there is something in doubt. What was really troubling about that particular call that everyone's referencing is they actually did come on the mic and explain it. And they literally, after we all watched the replay of, of the jersey getting tugged, and they said the contact, um, the contact was deemed allowable, yeah. and it's not a flat. Like, the, like the contact was basically allowable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Uh, I don't think it was. But yeah. it, interesting that they actually they came on and explained it, and the explanation almost made it worse. I think mm-hmm. that's what really got people riled up. And one thing to blow the collar if they didn't throw it in the first place, but to pick it up, and then say what you just saw. Yes, that never happened. Right. Yeah, don't don't believe what you just saw. Okay, we saw something different. And so I think that's what's kind of got people on edge. But I don't I don't think there's a conspiracy. I do think in in sports in general, it's again human nature plays a role. And it's when you're officiating, you you know it's it's a product out there, and people are here to see the the good teams play. And I do so. I think that's in the back of their mind. I don't think it's necessarily nefarious or it's this deep level mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to ruin another team's day. But I, I do think a little of that stuff happens. Okay. And therefore, you you attribute whatever we looks a little suspicious, maybe a little bit of it is at times, but not an overarching, overriding star chamber underneath conspiracy going on at the highest level. You, you just think it's sort of human nature and a shared understanding of kind of what you're up against if you're an underdog and maybe less highly regarded than, uh, than opponent X. Correct. Yeah. And, and just a, a, a factor of, again, 
failed leadership in yeah. conferences. You know, it's been bad. Bad officiating is nothing new. We've been right. dealing with that, and so, right. um, and I don't think we're 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 mistaken if we think in the final year when they're trimming the fat and it's all going away that it's going to actually improve the product of officiating. So when they're scrambling to get people to do the game, so I, I think that's part of it too. It, it's been a problem for a while, and I think it comes from the top and less nefarious and more so just. Maybe oh a lack gosh. of leadership, lack of coaching yeah. and training. So. Hey, Andy, um, I, I, before yeah. you go on, John yeah. dialed up the play for me. I hadn't seen it until now. John, you, you had an astonished look on your face, and I said on the air quietly, oh, my gosh. I, they I, picked up the flag for that? I let out a gasp. Yeah. I mean, that, Andy, yeah. regardless, that's horrendous. Yeah. Now, whether, yeah. whether there's a conspiracy at work, I don't know, but... That was a horrendous picking up of the flag. That's, I don't know, what did the FS1 announcers say during the course of it? I hope they said that's a bad call or a bad non-call. Yeah. We can hear at the break. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know who was doing the game, but they all had to have said, I can't believe they picked up the flag there, Joe. Didn't they? Yeah, no, or did honestly, they? I don't know. Honestly, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I was watching it, but it was like I almost kind of, went into another realm for a minute because mm-hmm. I, after the ref explained it, I was a lot, I was, my, my mind was spinning. I couldn't really yeah. make sense of what was being said after that. Cause I'm like, wow, that was really bad. So, Very bad. Yeah, One of the more egregious pickup of flags I've ever seen now that John has showed me. Anyway, what else is on your mind, Andy? Yeah. Yeah. So not to, not to dwell too much on that, but looking ahead, I kind of, you know, planted the seed last week on the show, but, Mike, John, I am wound tight. I am wringing the hands. I mean, this, to me, is the scariest game left on the schedule. And, yes, I say that with the utmost disrespect to Washington and Oregon. Okay. So let me be clear on that. I don't the disagree. Utmost disrespect. <laughs> but it's, it's just you look at it any way you digest it. I had this as my trap game in the beginning. Yes, I um, remember. And Arizona has only – they've only proven to be more formidable in that time, and especially in the last few weeks. Than they were, than I thought they would be going in. And so, with those developments, it caused me to do a little bit of a, a dive here and look at the team side by side comparisons. And when you pull up the total team defense and offense, it is crazy how mm-hmm. even this matchup is. Yes. I believe uh, Arizona is five and we are six when it comes to both total offense and total defense um, for the Pac 12. And the funny thing is, if you go category by category, they uh, best us in four categories, and we best them in four categories on both sides of the ball. So it's just like, it's a a flip of the coin. I'm honestly surprised that we are favored going in, or last I checked, we were favored, Mm -hmm. because it's it's a tall order. It's going to be tough. But all I keep coming back to, and I'd I'd like to kind of hear your thoughts on this, that if there's any justice in the world, it just has to happen, okay? We deserve it. We deserve it, okay? <laughs> that's, that's just all it is. I need this. I mean, well, full disclosure, full, yeah. full disclosure. I know we're amongst friends here, but I went ahead. I, I bought a, a hotel room and, and a flight to Vegas, okay, mm-hmm. back in August. Mm-hmm. I, I'm booked. Yeah. So I got skin in the game. I need this. So <laughs> can you guys maybe help us? Uh, Quell the fears or put my mind at ease as I'm hand-wringing over here. Yeah, I'll answer that with, yeah. with one quick question. Did you buy flight insurance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that is a good question, John. I really hope my wife is not listening. <laughs> um, but, 
No, I did not buy flight insurance, although I got a really good deal on one of those uh, discount uh, puddle jumper airlines where you have to actually parachute out to your <laughs> Yeah, right, right, yeah. No, you know what? You're, you weren't far off. I mean, you're smart. There was a good possibility with this team, and there still yes. is a tremendous <laughs> possibility. You can't say probability because there's too many teams uh, in the upper third of this conference that are so good. But you're right, and we both remember when you came on yes. beginning of the year and you did that little poem thing, you had this game as the, I think you had it as a loss. He did. So you should right now be ready for the loss. In other words, if you marked it as a loss, shouldn't that make it easier? Well, but the, he had the other, he didn't have Washington State as a loss. So there, oh. therein is the exactly. angst. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mike nailed it on the head. I I, ha- I didn't have the Wazoo stumble. I had us at seven and zero right, right now. So right. That one seems it seems a little more every week with Washington State's performance. But mm-hmm. hey, can't live in the past. And yes, I, you know I'm fully prepared. I you know we've we've been through it. I was I've been at the depths. We were at uh, the Coliseum and Gary Anderson's last game. Yeah. I didn't know it was his last game at the time. So like I always tell people, especially uh, those down in in Eugene. You can't, there, we've already been to the depths. There's nothing you can say or do to us that can ever hurt us, okay? So I can live with that, but I really need this game, and I'm excited for Saturday night, and he'll be. Good to hear from you, Good Andy. call, Thank Andy, you. and as we part ways and get ready to bring Dave on for Andy, he, he's talking about the depths of the Gary Anderson era, and yet there's a whole oh, yeah. audience out Before there. Before Andy was around. That are talking about 29 years. Only 28. 28 yeah. years, yeah, but sorry. An 0-11 and, and a 6-47 record for yeah. Joe Avizano. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are there are lower depths even than although, what we experienced. Although, I think the Anderson years are worse because because the infrastructure was built and they right. had reached heights. Right. right, And so now the expectation is really high. But, but again, it's uh, it's a great place to be. It's fun at 6-1. and one. It's fun to be having these kinds of conversations, to have the hand-wringing and nervousness for Saturday night. I can't allay anything, and I won't allay anything on the grounds that it's just the right thing. It's justice. It needs to happen. I spent many of my adult years reading the Psalter, as Dave will understand, the Book of Psalms, and the cry out constantly for you know justice and so on therein tells me that you don't, <laughs> ain't no guarantees no, of it. No, no. And in fact, that that is oftentimes the plaintive lament in those in those great old poems, because it ain't seen, it doesn't present itself. Now, maybe in the long big picture, that's kind of what you know. Alan Dershowitz and others have said the genius here is you you struggle with the fact that you don't see much of it in this life, so you find a way to make it work out in the long run in the next life. Alan said that's part of the genius of, and Bertrand Russell agreed about sort of the Judeo-Christian concept that may, to the rest of the world. Yeah, but that may be true, but <laughs> we we as humans, it's one of the biggest things, and yes. we want it so we bad. We do. We, we want do. justice so bad. I know. And uh, we're uh, told to be uh, patient. <laughs> Let's go to Tumwater in the meantime, but I will allay Andy's fears a little bit in this sense. I don't think the Beavers will win in Arizona because it's just, it's meant to be, and it's just, it's the right thing. It's got to happen, and, and I got my airfare to <laughs> I, Vegas. I love the passion. I think the Beavers are better than Arizona, well, yeah. even with the statistical yes. comparisons. Yes. And I think the Beavers are equipped 
to win any type of game they're in, 52 to 40 or 21 7. And they're not even they, favored to win. They're favored to win by four and a half. Is it up to four and a well, half? Well, it started at four and a half. Oh, I thought it started at like two or three. No, oh, I saw okay. four and a half. Oregon okay. is at three. Okay, whatever the case. The Beavers, I think, are going to pull a 2,000 down in Tucson. When I remember hand-wringing over the 2,000 trip to Tucson, the Beavers had never won there, yeah, ever. that's right. And they won that one 33-9 with a swarming defense and, a, and an opportunistic offense with Jonathan finding Chad Johnson and others during the game. Great catch by Johnson down there. I think the Beavers are going to have enough to find a way to win this thing, and that allays my Real hand ring, and I th- just think they're better right now than Arizona. Yeah, well, uh, they're like 2000 when there was a, a mark. I don't know where. Yes, I not haven't thought that about was a November about game about when you you make your move to become yeah. great and get rid of the 2119s. You make your move. Yep. The move could have been this year, Cal, save for the defense giving up 40 points. Let's go to Tumwater on the Joe Beaver Show. Dave, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Another great call by Andy from uh, Mitchell. He maintains a very high standard. So let me take up conference realignment first and quickly, gentlemen, and then we'll go to officiating. So I have not read the Ross Dellinger report yet. I look forward to hearing the podcast of uh, Alan later in the day. But what I take away from that is that Dellinger is that higher line authority that uh, you and uh, you, the both of you, have been looking for mm-hmm. someone with a little more stature than a 22-year-old Drake Toll uh, that's talking about this. But really, in effect, all Dellinger has done is substantiate Immaculate's view. If what how, the way you interpret what Pat, uh, what Barnes and Chun have said is that we don't want to mess up your cute little gig. But unless we're dealt with fairly, right? Yeah, this is going to be really embarrassing and potentially expensive. Mm-hmm. Just take care of the problem. Yes, that is Bottom a line, great way to put it. Great way. That's all, that's all Immaculate will ever said. This is such a huge issue. Just we we're not going to be the we don't want to be the fly in the ointment. But unless we get taken care of, mm-hmm. it's going to be painful for everyone concerned. Right. That's the significance of the Dellinger article. Yeah. So yeah. on to a, Okay. I would just add a, to that. I would just add to that that that, that Scott Barnes quote may be one of constraint um, because when you get to the level of Scott and and President Murphy and others, unlike me, see, I couldn't have those jobs because I'd be slinging around. We're going to come after you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, you need to be professional, hold restraint and just keep the quotes what they are. And, and that's the most biting yet. And it's not even that big a deal. We didn't cause this at Barnes. Those that did need to help us with the solution unquote. (laughs) And Dave, your, your up to that is the, uh, the unwritten thing there is, and if you don't help us with this, then we will be, we, we'll make your, I mean, your life's going to be pretty difficult with us going forward. Potentially all the way to the Supreme yeah. Court, and which is why the reason they tempered it is that this is only two years of leverage, gentlemen, Yeah. after the current TV agreement is over. And so Oregon State doesn't want to press this to the ultimate extremity, because there will be extreme payback yeah. when that two-year window expires. True. Okay. On, on to, uh, on to um, officiating. Now, I, I can go back and listen, but I don't think, since I'm the one that seemingly inaugurated this thread, I don't think I used the term conspiracy. No, you didn't. Maybe I, maybe, I don't think uh, you did. And, and, and so 
And I'm glad you have moderated your interpretation of the dialogue too, Mike, because mm-hmm. no one really believes in a conspiracy per se. And I'll, I'll just move quickly yeah. past this. It's kind of a straw man argument. So the way to explain it, I've thought about this extensively in the last 24 hours, is by conjoining two readily identifiable, commonly referred to sociological phenomena, implicit bias and cognitive dissonance. So if you gentlemen will indulge me, I will read you two definitions (laughs) of those phenomena and how, when when they are juxtaposed, how it explains it. So implicit bias, and I'm quoting now, yes. is a form of bias that occurs automatically and unintentionally that nevertheless affects judgments, decisions, and behavior. Okay. Cognit- cognitive dissonance, again I quote, is when your understanding of normative circumstances does not line up with what you're experiencing. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you put those two concepts together. So there's no 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 one down at the conference headquarters is calling the chief of officiating <laughs> to make sure the crew in Seattle guarantees that that the UW comes out undefeated. <laughs> right, gentlemen, that simply no one believes that. Right, that's not what's happening. It's the juxtaposition, the combination of implicit bias and cognitive dissonance. So the referees in that game, they know Washington. Do they not I'll do this with a semi-Socratic method? Do we not all agree that the referees in that game know Washington's number five yes. in the ranking? Yes, they do. Do they, know, do they not know that Arizona State has not yet won a conference game? Yes, and they do. Eligible, they know that as well. So that's baked into the cake. It's in their background. Mm-hmm. So when they're officiating a game, and they know also implicitly that they have in their hands the fate of an outcome that might displace Washington's privileged status as the number five ranked team in the country. And they do, and, and this becomes increasingly, they are increasingly conscious of this fact as the game endures now midway into the fourth quarter. Therefore, they, um, they, they, what, they, what they are seeing in front of them, a high-ranked team, it seems to be destined or maybe destined for the college football uh, mm-hmm. playoff at home mm-hmm. is losing to a team that has not yet won a conference game. That gentleman is the sociological dynamic that results in that. In other words, there's, I'll put it in colloquial terms. They, they're thinking to themselves, I can't believe Arizona State is winning this yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, are, are, we, are we influencing this? Okay, we... Uh, is our judgment of the play on the field influencing in this in some in this fashion? And so they're unintentionally, but because of the dissonance, that John and Mike is how these things happen, and they happen routinely. Which is why everyone who is a fan believes that this is the this is the sociological dynamic. I hope that's helped. Explain. It is. It's good. My interpretation yeah. of how things happen. It's very good, Dave. Good to hear from you again. Thank you for the call. We're going to get Paul in here and then Alan Thayer at 1230 today. Thanks, as always, Dave, for the good stuff. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Take care. We'll go to Paul in just a second. In talking to giving actual definitions of 
cognitive dissonance and what was the other the other term cognitive dissonance implicit and implicit bias bias i wrote the other day i wrote this down and i was reading a book on the on paul on saint paul and <laughs> i laughed out loud as i was reading this and so i wrote it down just to to mm -hmm. amuse me because of this question the writer says Ought we to include in the category of solecism also the anacuthalon caused by the use of a participle for an indicative? That's a question that he asks. What does that mean? Thank you. And I just wrote down, well, yes, of course. I've asked myself <laughs> that question many times. Okay, let's go to Paul next. Uh, speaking of Paul, on the Joe Beaver Show. Paul, good morning. Hey, I hope you guys, I don't break up because I'm just outside of Newport. Um, I, I I couldn't hear many of Dave's columns too weak, you know, on my yeah. on my phone. Okay. Oh, hey, Paul, yeah, you are breaking up, so you can, we're going to take our second break of this hour. We'll take a quick break. And if you have a question, ought we to include in the category of solecism the anacuthalon caused by the use of a participle for an indicative, feel free to break that down, too, since we've had textbook definitions, dictionary definitions of implicit bias and cognitive dissonance. We're trying to break it all down today on the Joe Beaver Show. We do have uh, Alan Thayer to do just that at 1230. We've got a break now back after this. Paul, try again on the Downward Dog phone line on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show, whether we hear from Paul again or not, making his way back from Newport. We hope so. We do have Garrett from Kirkland in the meantime, but then another caller on deck. Alan Thayer at 1230 today, Rod Gilmore tomorrow, and we are making an effort to get in touch with Lauren Sisler who will be the sideline reporter for our game Saturday night in Tucson, the Beavers and Arizona Wildcats. What is your concern level about that game, by the way? A very nervous man very in high. Mitchell named Andy. <clears throat> Mine is, too. I'm nervous as all get up. Oh, me, too. I think it's a tough, tough matchup, and no it, doubt. You know, both quarterbacks they have are very good. I uh, just, I think... Fafita is My belief hot. is in Trent Bray and the Beaver defense, even though I know, but you know, it hasn't been. You know. Yes, I know. I know. Right? Not tackling well, the running, quite as well. The, the run, run defense. defense. But the Bees picked Dante three times, one for a pick six. I think Trent's going to have a bunch of stuff for Noah Fafita. Yeah, yeah. That's going to make life harder and, and for like that. And like I said earlier, that game that separates the year, that, that launches you forward into yeah, greatness. Right. That's a great point. And I think the Beavs are destined. I just think they're, you know, destined. It's supposed to happen. No, I just think they're, this team, the way they're equipped, the way they're built, how versatile they are, can win games in a variety of ways. We may see yet a different variety than they've, a method to go about winning mm -hmm. that we haven't quite seen yet, but they're capable. It's a good and deep team. Let's go to Garrett next on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Garrett. Hey, Mike and John. And uh, for, first, um, I'll go to, to your point on the you know nervousness in 2000 and 2008, and mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and then and then want to circle back to the implicit bias versus versus cognitive dissidents <laughs> uh, that Dave and Tom Lauder and, and of course Andy Mitchell. We're just talking about up at the the game in Seattle, um, but 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 first, I mean, how how are we feeling? Is, is it is it like you know, maybe two thousand where it ends up being a blowout out of in the first win, or is it going to be more like two thousand eight nail biter missed extra point game when you field goal? I lean where, more where you, I lean more towards ahead? that. I don't I don't see thirty three nine, which was the final in two thousand, coming when the Beaver defense was as fast and dominant that night 
as is in almost any game, maybe say for the Fiesta Bowl itself. You remember? I I don't know if you're. I have this vision of James Allen just chasing everybody down in the backfield, tackles for loss, big time plays. I don't know if the Beavers are going to be able to rein it in and slow it down to the tune of nine points per se, but I'm expecting a big time performance by the defense in this game. I am. I'd I'd hope so too. And and listening to some of the Arizona talk. They've played well against passing teams, and they run a, a nickel and a dime mm-hmm. and a dollar defense in secondary. They have not faced a running team. So I love yes, I love our run game against them. I love that the, the clock runs after first downs now, and we can control the line of scrimmage and control the clock. Um, it should be a great homecoming for Jim Mahalchek to establish his dominance and his will. Yep. Um, so hope, I agree. Hope, hoping, more, hoping more for that. The 2000 or, or 2019 style. Yes. Uh, but but a, a win will be a win. So No question. Um, and and back, back to Dave and Tumwater and Andy and Mitchell's uh, point, the, the real concerning thing is that it was called PI on the field, mm-hmm. reviewed, and then overturned. You know, there, to, the, to the Husky defense, there was also a, a missed PI call earlier in the first half where Arizona State had a corner and safety all over their guy just on an incompletion that should have been called PI. Mm-hmm. But – it, it, it smell, smells of Woody Dixon back yeah. in the booth review when they overturn what is a clear PI. So has the conference come out with any explanation as well, to no. why they would call him on the field and overturn it? I don't think so, Garrett, but let me ask you something. You said yeah. upon review they picked up the flag. They don't They don't review pass interference calls, do they? I mean, I, I don't believe oh, so. You're it, just talking about upon... PI, it was called PI on the field. Right. And then... And then waved it off or they picked up the flag officials gathered. Yeah. The officials gathered. That's different than a formal review process, which is, but an interference call is not subject to. That's right. Thank you. I'm, I'm too mixing up in my head. Okay. Wazoo down, down at USC with Gardner Minshew, um, which should have been a a personal foul helmet to helmet that was waved off. And then that was the, the, the Woody Dixon, how do we get our best, Yes, our best teams to the finish line. That wasn't targeting. Um, yes, right, and right. and that can that does rise to an actual review. That's not just a discussion by the the officials on the field amongst themselves. You'd like to kind of hear what they were talking about. You know, do we really want to do this? Let's pick up that flag. Are you absolutely one hundred percent sure in your heart and soul mind that that wasn't? Well, okay, then we're picking it up. <laughs> But and that's and that's, and that's, yeah. that's where Dave, that's where Dave and Tumwater right. got to the difference of the implicit bias versus cognitive yep. dissonance. Yep. So, I love I love this conversation. I'm standing I'm standing in an, a broker's open house, waiting for people to show up to a home in South Seattle right now. So, love listening to you guys. And Thanks, thank Garrett. You so much. Thank you for the, for the daytime talk. Really so appreciate good. it. Thank you, sir. Let's go to Tim next on the Joe Beaver Show. Tim, thanks for the call and welcome to the program. Hello, Tim. Yeah, sorry, Mike. That's it's, all right. It's actually. It's actually Jim. Hey, Jim. Yeah, hey, Jim. Sorry, um, Jim. No problem. No problem. Um, two things. Real quickly, I was up in Seattle. I was flying a lot at the time. You're talking about implicit bias, and I think Dave nailed it. Um, I was sitting in a uh, Alaska boardroom up there, and three guys were kind of next to me chatting and just talking about stuff. And one guy says, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to throw the flag against Oregon State now that Mike Riley is back. 
And so I sat there listening to him for a few minutes and realized these guys were flying down to the Bay Area to call a Pac-10 or Pac-12 mm-hmm. football game. Mm-hmm. And the implicit bias is right there. I mean, there was no I, – I finally told him, I, I, heck, I live in Corvallis, mm-hmm. I'm a Beaver fan. And that, the guy who said that, he turned beat red. Yeah, I bet. Because he knew he really stepped in it. Yep. Um, yep. And, and so it, it's there. It's just human nature, right? Mm-hmm. But the other, other thing I wanted to comment on, Mike, is we're – big Philly fans here because my father-in-law was Bill Harper and scouted for the Phillies and all of that. And, um, and I think, I think we have to blame your father-in-law about last night's game because it's got to go to seven. Games <laughs> and they all do that. Jim. They all yep. do. Yeah. I mean, all, all <laughs> the series go seven. Everyone in history. Has gone that way. <laughs> you, right. Jim, do you feel okay about your Phillies tonight in game seven at home? I do. Okay. I do. I do. I think I think they uh, I think they'll come back strong. Okay. I hope so. I hope so. I I'm rooting for the Phillies. I I'm glad Bruce Bochy got through. I like him a lot. So I think a Phillies Rangers World Series will be a compelling baseball theater. I do. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd yep. be a good one. We'll we'll, we'll take uh we'll, uh we'll be all right tonight I think. Or we. I'm not Yeah, playing. no, I understand. I I, I totally understand. Jim, thank you. Great to hear from you. Uh, Thanks for the call. You guys, too. Thank you. We'll take a break. uh, An hour to go. Alan Thayer at 1230. Open phones next. The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. What? You know, portaled from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignment. They both be pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover, and we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Into the second hour, Mike Parker with John Warren. Open phones at the moment and text lines. John, if there was some unfinished business from yesterday, and I do, we do have a long one from Greg, who called a bit uh, stirred up about the whole Arizona State-Washington game and thus framed the Beaver Husky game as the Beavers had better have a two-score lead late in the game so that they can't get hurt by what ended up hurting Arizona State in the Sun Devils upset bid in Seattle that went awry many that, that's the one thing I haven't I I have not consumed the press with apologies to Doug Gottlieb the press. I haven't consumed the press on either side. I asked you, scan 
the pages oh, I found, for Arizona State's reaction I found, to I call found or laws. Something that you would need that can't print. Yeah. It's an article about that very thing, which then had the embedded Twitter reactions. Okay, but but was what was the upshot even of the Arizona State fans stewing or yeah. Sun Devil oh, stew yeah. over terrible yeah. calls, that yeah. type of thing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, that was essentially it. In fact, uh, uh, what was uh, the, and, the title? But no, that while was you're it. Look, go ahead and look for it while I, and we're going to get into some open phones and texts, if you don't mind trying to chase down exactly what the headline ASU was. ASU fans were not happy with the refs in Washington lost. Now okay. The, that's the headline, but that's an understatement for basically it was the writer explained everything that happened yeah, was, and then used d- individual tweets. Reaction for to reaction, it. And okay. the tweets were... Some swear words. How the heck do you do the refs pick up the flag on that? Arizona State got screwed. That's one of the worst calls you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. That was one. Uh, refs calling nonstop penalties on Arizona State, but blind to Washington's. Such a joke. Refs baloney okay. is the worst part of every single sport. Okay. And that's just a couple. Yeah, of- and it's the it's sort of that. We had a caller earlier say, I don't know if it was Garrett or Andy, one of them saying that, there was an interference call that they didn't call against uh, yeah, Arizona yeah. State on a Washington receiver that had fans booing. So it worked both ways. Well, and then, of course, you had Sunday night. The Eagles had no penalties called on them the entire night. <laughs> I mean, it had to, it, just uh, along the lines of refs and issues right. like this. Yeah, uh, Not a lot was made on that. There was a Jim Rome minute that we played that was really funny, the way he worded the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But he was basically just saying, do better, because he was calling out the refs. There's no way they could go an entire game. And then somebody, you know, people do this now with, with the Internet and breaking things down, broke down the game and found like... Seven or eight calls that could have been made or should have. calls that okay. were so blatantly obvious. Interesting. And the refs didn't call them. Zero penalties the entire night. That is surprising. How I think often 11, is that? 11 on the other team. How often has that happened? The zero uh, penalty game. That's a good game. question. In any level. At any level. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've never seen one for the Beavers in 25 years. I've zero never even game. heard of one. For, and I've never seen it against the Beavers either. Right, and, and, and in games and college, and all, this is the first time I've ever heard of this okay, happening. Okay, interesting. I, I also, Softy Mahler made me laugh one of his tweets after the game. He said, this game, the Arizona State game, he said, I felt like I just drove off a cliff but walked away with no injuries. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great That is analogy. very funny and about right. And according to people who've called and said, even Husky fans, that was one of Dave's deals, the Husky honks yesterday after the game were saying, "Eh, got away with one there when they picked up the play. (laughs) You saw it. It's horrible. It's unbelievable the way that he was pulling on his jersey. Think about it the other way around. What if that call were late with the Huskies driving in Seattle and all that grabbing and holding of the jersey and grabbing was going on and no flag came? A riot would have ensued on Montlake. I mean, right? So that in itself, just framing it that way, tells you how egregious it was. Was it not? If you are an ultimate Husky fan living in our market, if you are if you don't have a cat or a dog in the fight one way or the other, but you watched it and have a, an opinion or a thought, all of this is making you laugh, you guys ought to be embarrassed about your, you know, it, it, it's not a conspiracy. It's not this. It's just... Maybe it's incompetency, or maybe it's just less Sometimes than stellar officiating and no agenda, yeah. no implicit bias, no cognitive dissonance, et cetera, at work. Just 
humanity well, and the but, way people you know, you know we, call we, games we, we could, make mistakes but we could make this our own you go back to spotgate in seattle against oregon state and then even against oregon last year at home i know in before the the great comeback and yeah the well it, yeah, that's right there was it, a and, fourth and, down towards then, the the south end zone there was a the spotgate yeah. has plagued the beavers several times. jebbia getting hurt on a play where he was way in the end zone yeah and, and, and no call yeah, I yes, these things are puzzling. They're puzzling. If you have any thoughts about that, about the threat level Saturday night, about Game Seven last night tonight, do you have a rooting interest now in the playoffs one way or the other? Four nine seven fifty three fifty six, four nine seven five three five six on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. Alan Thayer coming up at half past. This hour, let's go to the phone lines. We're not sure if we heard Nikki or Mickey, but who is this, please? And welcome to the show. Yeah, this is Mickey. Hey, Mickey. So I, I, I just want to weigh in. Watching the game um, on the Arizona State game, there were uh, actually uh, at least two other calls uh, on interference calls that weren't called. The tugging of the jersey. We were just looking at each other like, what the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. And then that the we lost our mind when we, we saw the last the last one in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And I just can't understand unless the ball was tipped or something before before that. I, I have no idea what was going on there, but I was just really surprised that uh of that outcome and, and it's not sour grapes, they got hosed. I mean that was that mm-hmm. that just almost looked corrupt the way that went down the whole second half. And that's the question, then, Mickey, that we ask. It all you see, we all we all believe there's something kind of going on, but we don't want to just come out and say it was corrupt and it was blatant and it it should be uh, exam. You know, there should be an investigation launched about how these things can happen. We stop short of that, but we're not willing. We're also willing at the same time to say something's not right here. That was blatantly bad, bad officiating. But why does it happen? If you and your friend watching it felt that way, what is your response to why it happens? I mean, we were just say, are they allowing tugging in the jerseys now um, <laughs> as, as, as just a normal bump that far down the field? Right. You know, we're, we're just like, you know, are we missing something? You know, was there a tip ball when when he got molested in the fourth quarter? I I have no idea. It just was. It we were just we, you know, we just wanted to see a, a good close game and for them to to uh, to um, yeah you know change the outcome of the of the game is yeah. I really think they they owe an explanation of of that mm-hmm. of of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Well, we've heard nothing as far as I know. People have asked, has there been any official sort of response to explain themselves, so to speak? I don't believe I've seen anything along those lines, Mickey. Yeah. Yeah, we just saw a lot of stuff online. Everyone's talking. You know, corrupt is a a very uh, common phrase for what happened, I think. Interesting. What's going on online, anyway. Okay. Hey, I appreciate the perspective, Mickey. Thanks for making the call. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it was it was bad enough. You know, I've seen it. it was bad enough. There should have been something from the conference. Sometimes, you know, you'll see conference come out with a statement saying that refs blew it. And uh, sorry, well, right? Yeah, and I've always, even though that's hollow, 
you still would rather have that than nothing. Right. Because you know, nothing because makes the, you think. The, the after the fact, well, you know, upon further review, uh, right. th- this call shouldn't have been made or that they missed this or even the fam- the infamous deal with Oregon. Was it Oklahoma and the onside kick that was touched? Right, right, right. Illegal, but right. Gordon Reese didn't have the same view that all of yeah, America so there, did. There might be some explanation, except the difference being, though, that this wasn't a miss. This was a decision. It was a decision. That's a good point. They chose yeah. to pick up the flag and say, there is no call for pass interference. Can you not get that reviewed, though? Well, no. A pass interference call... Those calls are not subject to a review, so it's a discussion amongst themselves. Well, they discussed it, and they decided to pick up the flag on what everybody saw was two and three tugs on a jersey. And and you've shown it to me a couple of times, and it's, it's, I just know if we were, you know, if the Beavers were on the receiving end of such a Mm non-call, You know, if you had uh, Silas Bolden, you know, breaking free in the end zone and he's just being mauled in there with no call and a flag comes out. okay, we got the call. Oh, yeah, there is. uh, There is no call for pass interference. Reister Stadium would go absolutely crazy, too. And that's Greg's point. Don't let that don't be in a position to allow that to happen to yourself. No, you already because know it could you're, happen. An, you're an underdog. You're going, and sometimes league to league, we used to get that feeling. Oh, if you're going to go play the whack, you better win big. Otherwise, True. they're going to get you. They're going to homer you. And uh, yeah. we're kind of in that situation now. Let's go to John next on the Joe Beaver Show. Good afternoon, John. Uh, good afternoon, Mike and John. Uh, I think there's a there's a genuine third alternative to this. Okay. This is bad refereeing. I am convinced, and I'll, I'll give you a good example of it. That a significant number, I don't know how many, what fraction, of the refs in these games simply don't know the rules. And you've got some guys on a crew that are pretty good and some that aren't. And I think there are times when the ones that are kind of knew what was going on don't want to overrule the ones that don't know the rules. I'll give you an example. Hmm. Two years ago, when, the, uh, when Oregon was playing here, associated with that with the Jebby injury, remember they kept redoing, they kept re-spotting the ball and rerunning the play right next to the goal line. I can't remember the detail, Mike, but I looked up the rule based on what they had brought it back on, and they didn't know the rule. And you agreed with me at the time. I actually read it from the rule book. So I became convinced at that point and started looking for it. I think there's a significant number of these referees who simply don't know all the rules. That's why there are a lot of them college refs and not pro refs. And, and I, I, I have a hard time believing they're there. They're honestly dishonest. Right, right. I think I think there's just a, a significant number or a number of them that are incompetent. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's, you know, it happens everywhere, and I think it, it happens too frequently and too obviously with refs in the Pac-10, and, that, and obviously that needs to be cleaned up. But I think that's another alternative maybe you should consider. No, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong there, and I think I think a lot of fans, whether they're with Oregon State or anybody else, would agree with that. But you would hope, John, you would hope that the elder statesman of the crew or whoever knew, you know, had experience and knew all the rules would would try to make it good throughout the course of the game. Well, you would think so. I mean, you remember? And I'll, I'll make this brief. There was a play against a game against Washington. I can't remember a good running back. 
who landed in the end zone, the football landed in the end zone <laughs> in this possession, and the ball bounced up, and they called it a fumble. Yeah. yeah. And I remember there was almost a riot in the stands. Yeah. I remember one guy, one guy signaled touchdown, another came over and said no fumble and overruled the guy. And I, I think they defer to each other sometimes, whether they're right or not. And I think that may be part of it. You go back, and thanks for the call. We're going to take a break on sure. that. Good to hear from you, John. He goes back to the infamous 2007 yeah. game, yeah. wherein the the only thing that play couldn't have been was a fumble. It, it, I mean, he's down at the one or he's in the end zone. Clearly, you know, ball down, elbow down, knee right, down, right, ball right. pops out. Right. I mean, that is horrendous. Washington returned it from the goal line out to around the 35 or 40. They had a chance to end up winning that game with the ball in their hands as time ran out. Now, the Beavers held, yeah. as Bob DeCarroll has said, thank heaven, or that's as loud and angry as I've ever heard a football stadium, at least our fan base. It got a little that way with UCLA the other night, yeah, not not to yeah. the same level because the Beavers were comfortably, fairly comfortably in front. Right. But... That 2007 game, Bob DeCarolis himself worried. You know, had, had the Huskies hit a late touchdown to win and beat the Beavers that night? That, that, it's it's frightening to think about how that would have looked and sounded on a late Saturday night game. People have been enjoying themselves, tailgating all day long and into the night, and here they are, then they get this horrendous, I mean, absolutely horrendous misinterpretation of what just happened on the field. That almost cost the Beavers the game that night. You know, as legendary as that call mm-hmm. and that situation is, I didn't even see it. I was driving. It was a pre, pre-set, uh, I don't think it was a vacation, but for some reason, the, taking the family, we were going up to visit in-laws. So you've actually never in seen Seattle. it. Okay. I was in Seattle listening to oh, the to Husky Bob side, Rondo. Yeah. to Bob Rondo. And it was quite a different call than it well, would have I'm been sure for you. Well, I'm sure it was, but do you, I mean, Rondo's a great pro, yeah, tremendous he, announcer. Yeah, did he say it sure appeared yeah. as though he uh, was down? Yeah, absolutely he did. Yeah. And you could, of course, hear the crowd going nuts. Yeah. But I had never saw it, didn't see it, wasn't there, and we've referenced it all these years. <laughs> and I don't even know if you knew that. I, I no, I didn't that know night. that, and I didn't know you were listening to the great Bob yeah. Rondo. Yeah, so when you talk about it, I, yeah. I can only try to remember it through some replays, mm-hmm. but... If you're if you're not down, if your knee or your elbow is not down, and the ball breaks the plane all the way from the ground to infinity, mm-hmm. it does. It, that's a touchdown. Yeah. So like, if it comes down onto the ground and right. the ball pops out, it doesn't matter. It's already crossed that's the true. plane. It's so either the knee. He w- there's only two things that can yeah, be. Yeah, knee is and down. And the or third touchdown. one is not not an alternative, and yet that's the one that. Played. It's the one that ruled. Thank goodness. And it almost cost the Beavers. Thank goodness they it, had the win. It gave Jake Locker and the, the dogs a chance with the ball one more. And Locker was out by then. That's why I say, I told Dougie this but, morning, I said, you know, the biggest screw jobs that have happened have been against Washington, not Oregon. Yet the, the anger is so great for Oregon for all the right reasons. It's I get it. Spot gate and last yeah, year's game. Yeah, you, you got to yeah. think, you know, <laughs> Washington. That's uh they have the power. Goodbye. Go go to the Big Ten. We won't miss you. Cornelius Vanderbilt, what do I need the law for? Ain't I got the power? <laughs> Cornelius Vanderbilt, from who the great institution is named. Taint I he says something about what do I need the law for? Taint I got the power? He was a train magnet. Sounds a little bit like uh What's going on in Killers of the Flower Moon? Oh, shuddering. Have tail. you seen it? I have. Let's Ooh. take a break. We come back with um, 
Should we go with Alan? Do we have, yeah, we can. Yeah, let's break now, and we'll come back with Alan Thayer, or should we do a quick segment coming back? What do you say, Doc? Um, Teach me now. Well, we have two breaks. So. Two? Okay, let's take a quick one now, come back, break again, and bring Alan on. Then after that, we got to take it to the top. On the fan? On the fan. Okay, we'll take a break now and see what happens. <laughs> on Joe Radio. On 1240, Joe Radio. Seawalt ready, and the 2-2 two, two to Marsh with two outs in the ninth. Strike three call, got him looking. This one is over. Game six belongs to the Diamondbacks, which forces game seven in this National League series tomorrow night, right back here at Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> I was, was, he in a, was he in a studio somewhere? Uh, no, he was there. Okay. I, I just see it's, I think it's a, it's a little, little flat. Understated. A little understated for a game seven. To coming. get your, you just got to a gate. Now, they were up 5-1 in the seventh, no and they ended drama. up winning 5-1, yeah. but still, man. Okay. What do you got on the text line? Go, man, go. Let's see what we got here. All right, from yesterday. Good morning, John and Mike, listening to the Joe Beaver Show down here in Tucson. Going to be at the game Saturday night. Um, hope for all good things. Les. Oh. I saw him at... Uh, yes, we saw him recently. And he said that they were going, that he and good Gloria you, were going, Les. going down there. Uh, John, your conspiracy theory won't fly. I think we talked about this yesterday, but he says they would want to throw it in the favor of the Pac-2 because they know they will never get a game in the new super conferences. Uh, every, everybody knows they stink. I'll say that. Um, okay, all right. Uh, let's see what else. It's only egregious if you're Arizona State fan. <laughs> this was yesterday. That's a famous quote, though, from, I think, Verl Sorgan about... The 07 game, maybe. I think that may be what was at issue. The Bernard oh, really? fumble that was really? that was a touchdown that? that was ruled a fumble. And I, well, it's you know, yeah, it's an egregious call, but only if you're an Oregon State. Yeah, but that's not yes. true. Well, I, I, because I, you, every fan should be upset of every uh, bad yes, call. That's correct. On behalf be, of because who's yes, next? That, who's yeah. next? Yes, now what? I mean, uh, oh man, yeah, that's a bad thing for him to I say. I agree, and it was ridiculous, and that's why we got that. Whoever he whoever should have really yesterday. got on him. That's uh, terrible. Whom does the bell? You know, for but, whom does the bell? Yeah, play? the picking up of the flag of the husky, blatant holding of the ASU receiver was only egregious if you're yeah. if you're a devil fan. This is a new one. Um, no way any objective referee would not say it's a penalty that from yeah. Dan and Beaver to true Dan, Thank Jack you. Handy. Okay. I don't know what that Jack means. Handy deep thoughts about how these conspiracies work. Yeah. People want to know where Art Bell is. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. We'll get Art on to explain how this, how it works. He and how died, it's right? Didn't Art Bell yeah, pass? Yeah, I think he did, okay. but I still hear him on the air. Oh <laughs> yeah. Replays. Uh, Cameron from Lebanon. If there's a conspiracy in college football, this is from yesterday, mm-hmm. actually. It's not the conferences rigging games. It's the officials betting on games. Woo. Um, the NBA already has this happen with Tim Donaghy. That is true. <clears throat> it is sad, but true. About the NBA. Who was the caller that said that he overheard the guys in Seattle say, well, it's going to be harder to call right. fouls against uh, Oregon State that with Mike a, Riley back? That was uh, John a little while Yeah, ago. that was. Yeah. All right, here's another one from yesterday. Isn't it possible Isn't it possible that better players commit fewer penalties because they're better? Well, that's true, and that's why Philly, maybe Philly just played the perfect discipline game. But upon further review, the Eagles should have had at least seven called <laughs> Yeah. Now, this actually okay. is from yesterday, so yeah. it's before the Eagle oh, thing. okay. Pressure builds on the underdog as the game nears the end. There's a group of people that believe the NFL is scripted. Capitals, please, Stephen Dayton. All right, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, here's another one. This is from yesterday. 
in regards to a widespread refereeing conspiracy, I offer you Hanlon's razor. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. <laughs> Did I read that right? Well, it's a variation on Occam's razor, so I'm not sure whose razor is he talking about. Hanlon's razor. Maybe he's thinking of uh, deep thoughts with... Uh... Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Basically, well, they were too the, stupid to right. be to be uh, uh, to, to, to come be diabolical. Up with that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Cert- yes. He thinks. I think it's fair to say there is an abundance of evidence of P12 refs and refs in general displaying impressive levels of incompetence. Okay. Was this John who just called? He I, said the same thing. So I ask you, what is the most likely reason for these bad calls? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out, because mm-hmm. some of them are so bad. Uh, then it gets into questions for Sarah that we did get to. Here's another one for Sarah we didn't. We'll try and okay. remember these for yes. next Monday. Some game scores don't appear on both sets of the readers. Okay, we'll get these uh, to uh, to Sarah next week. Uh, Dave in Easdale. Where's Easdale? Is that in Washington? This is from today. Mike and John just wanted to chime in about the no-call penalty. The reason the Washington fans know that it was a penalty because the defender pulled the jersey, was pulled so hard, it was literally 18 inches from the body. Couldn't agree more. We just saw it. It was like, what? For nearly four or five seconds. Obvious. Please clarify whether an interference penalty is reviewable. Thank you, and I think you did. Well, I clarified only on my understanding that they're not that pass interference calls are not reviewable. Really? To go back and say, well, we looked at it. No, it's okay. not. All right. Okay. Um, is it really possible the next year we will be a conference called the Pac-2? Dean well, Albany. Yeah. I mean, it, we're going to we, we're gonna take a break and come back with Alan Thayer, and we'll talk about that very subject, Dean. Dean's got a, a clever idea for the name of the conference going forward. We'll come back with Alan next on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. From Innovative Law Group in Eugene, specializing in business law, contract law, other matters that uh, we have talked with our next guest, Alan Thayer, about. We are uh, honored to have business lawyer Alan Thayer from the Innovative Law Group in Eugene, a beaver behind enemy lines. Will you, will you <laughs> joining us. afford me one Silly question. Go, man, go. our guest. Yeah, let's bring Alan on, and let's start with whatever your Alan, question may one be. silly question just for me. I'm a goofball. Have you ever seen the series Suits, and if so, how realistic is it? Have I seen what? Suits. Oh, I, I am sorry. I don't watch that. Okay, okay. all right. Okay, that's good. You might like it. It's great drama. But that's it. Alan, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. We just got a call, and maybe this is the best place to start. Yeah, Johnny, yeah, you heard Mike the call. Ask a good question. Does a ruling in Whitman County, Washington, apply everywhere else? Benton County, Oregon, and, and all the different counties that are represented in the Pac-12? Yes. Okay. Okay. That answers that. And how, I'm curious, <laughs> yeah. how is that? Because yeah. why? <laughs> it would, you know, the, the other side of it is it prompts a person to ask if it is. Is there Are there scenarios where you... A ruling is only good for the county or the state of which you're in. Um, no, no. Uh, I mean, and you see it all the time on even in federal courts on national issues that a court in one state, a federal court in one state, will issue a ruling and it applies across the country. Yeah. 
even though it's it's the circuit court of Mississippi. Uh, the, the same thing happens here. And if uh, someone tries to reopen the case in another county, um, a defense to that case will be, no, uh, mm-hmm. this issue has already been recite, uh, decided between the parties. Okay, another caller just off the air. These are fresh and top of mind. Just as we were coming to you and going to break, Dean in Albany called and said, and this led me to <clears throat> say, I think Alan may have an answer to this. Wasn't his question, will we be a two-member PAC-2 conference next yeah. year? Okay. <laughs> Alan, that's the big question, of course, right now. You read Ross Dellinger today. There was nothing you said groundbreaking or new, per se, in that. But a couple of things did kind of stick out to you. So let's just kind of get into, the, by way of answering Dean and Albany's question, will we have a PAC-2? What's your sense as we move forward here on that very question? Well, it seems more and more likely. So I, I think that's the case. I mean, uh, the energy, the emphasis seems to be on moving in a direction to rebuild the conference. Okay, so if, we, if, if, if the two schools agree to rebuild the conference and the ruling on November 14th goes in favor of them for assets and liabilities, then just for clarification, it would be the PAC-2 for two years until they reach that goal of eight teams total to be able to move on, move forward, it would be called the Pac-2. So that also takes us to the next question, that if CFP money were distributed to all the Power Fives, and from what I understand, Alan, it takes an, a, a unanimous vote of the, all of those CFP uh, conferences to change it, then Oregon State and Wazoo would split whatever a Pac-12 conference would get. So there's several things in that question. So first of all, as to the name of a conference, um, you know, the Big Ten has more than 10 schools, but it's still the Big Ten. So presumably you could have uh, fewer than 12 schools and still be called the Pac-12. Correct. My preference would actually be call it the Pac-X and then uh, recognizing that your number of institutions could change over time. (laughs) Right. It's kind of that's um, clever, actually. I like that thought. The, the the question about the college football playoff uh, access and distributions is uh, definitely an issue, and it is true that for the next two years it cannot be changed without a unanimous vote, and we are so so fortunate that. The president of WSU just—it just happened to be his turn to be president of <laughs> the Pac-12 board, and um, correspondingly, the representative to the college football playoff board. Otherwise, things might have mm-hmm. gone differently. Mm-hmm. It isn't—it is interesting, though. And you asked about the share from the college football playoff. Um, there is a statement in there, that article, and I'm looking for it right now. Um, the article says that you're referring to, says that they are in line to receive from the college football playoff their individual school distribution as a Power 5 program. And no, that's not Oregon State and Washington State's argument. is that they are entitled to a conference share as one of the five conference owners. 
and uh, other folks are going, no, 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 we don't want that. But that is a uh, issue that is still yet to be resolved, and I don't think that um, Ross Dellinger did a, a good job of fleshing that out. It sounded to me, Alan, that in the article it looked like he was saying that this year they'll get $6 million as a payout under the banner of Pac-12, sharing it with the other teams, and then moving forward, it might... Now, he didn't say this. Moving forward, it would be two teams sharing $300 million or 36 whatever the total is that the league gets, would be split in two rather than in, uh, split by 12. Well, that's not how I read what he said. Well, you're the lawyer, um, so you know I don't. I, I just read... So how did you read it? Yeah. Yeah, well, it it says that they're in line to receive... Uh, from the college football playoff, their individual school distribution as a Power 5 program, an annual payout of $6 million each. There is no guarantee of an automatic qualifying spot. And so that suggests, I mean, right now, this year, the Pac-12 has an automatic, well, actually, no. No. Well, the Pac-12 would have had an automatic qualifying spot. Um, uh had it, if it is recognized as a conference, and and surely Oregon State's and Washington State's position is that we do qualify for that that uh, qualifying spot. It's not our mistake, that, or it's not our fault. The conference has gone from twelve to ten to two. Mm-hmm. Now, in that respect, let's jump into this. Uh, Alan Thayer joining us. You said that of all the stuff in the Dellinger article even though you felt some of it was purely speculative, some of it was rehashed material, nothing new per se, Barnes's quote, Scott Barnes, AD at Oregon State, Vice President, did, you felt like there may be a little to unpack there, and I'll just share the quote again in fullness from Dellinger's article today from Scott, and then you can elaborate perhaps for us, Alan. Thank you. Here's the quote from Scott. We want fair consideration under a Power Five umbrella. We want access... And distribution is important. We didn't put ourselves in this position. We'll continue to invest at a Power 5 level. We have an expectation that we'll be able to discuss what access and distribution look like while we're creating our path forward. Barnes added, we didn't cause this. Those that did need to help us with the solution, unquote. What do you make of those statements by Scott? Well, he's obviously talking to the conferences that rated uh, the Pac-12. Those are the ones who caused that, and they need to, they need to help us. Uh, there's uh, also mention in the article that there is uh, conversations going on between Oregon State, Washington State, and uh, regarding the college football playoff. And I, I hope that all those conversations are happening. I hope that uh, uh, the conference, uh, as, as it's rebuilt, is able to maintain those relationships. And I think Oregon State and Washington State have the same desires and are working in that direction. Whether they will be able to accomplish that or not remains to be seen. But... Um, that's the first time we've heard those statements uh, from uh, the, our athletic director or 
from anyone from Washington State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave from Tumwater, who you we, you've gotten to know him a little bit. You guys have conversed. Dave said, though, he thinks that there's more to the, and maybe you know whether you concur or not on this is interesting to to us, Alan. Scott added, Dellinger quote Scott added quote, "We didn't cause this. Those that did." need to help us with the solution, unquote. Dave sees in that a sort of veiled, not maybe even not so veiled, idea that if you don't help us, then advancing this down the road of more litigation and, you know, other things could unfold that would be unpleasant for the powers that be. Do you see that kind of intimation in that quote? Well, as we discussed before, that is the leverage that Oregon State and Washington State has. It's interesting. Um, last week, I believe, the court issued a ruler, a, 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 an order rather, on uh, a confidentiality for the documents that are produced um, in the lawsuit. And that's interesting because um, it applies not only to the parties to the suit, but anyone who is providing um, discovery, providing documents. And it also states that the documents uh, discovered can only be used in the current case. Well, that is an indication that there are some folks out there who are very concerned about what might, what might be disclosed and wanting to try to limit the, limit the spread of those disclosures. But um, it means that if those documents are to be used, it'd have to be a new lawsuit and they would have to request those documents in that new, new mm-hmm. lawsuit. They couldn't use the documents that are already produced. Uh, the importance of all that, uh, as Dave is hinting and as we have discussed, this is uh, this can involve bigger issues, mm-hmm. and it appears that uh, these bigger issues may very well be in play. Why do you think they haven't been put into play yet? Because they're talking, mm. you know, th- threats are often threats are often uh, most powerful unplayed. So you make a threat, the other side is scared, they react accordingly. Uh, oftentimes, once you once you play whatever the threat is, and then people adjust. Well, that wasn't so bad, and now you no longer have that leverage. Mm. Yeah. Does that answer make sense? Yeah. It does, and really what you said, this non-disclosure thing can only be you, the confidentiality in these documents can only be used in this case. That that immediately spoke volumes to you, it sounds like, Alan, about the nervousness in... in now, how binding is that? I mean, can't, you have to create another lawsuit, as you said, if you... If you can only use the documents that are provided now here in disclosure on on this current matter, do the lawyers lining up for Washington State and Oregon State still, though, say, yeah, okay, you can say that, but we still want to see what's in the documents that you're saying we can't disclose except in this case. No, 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 we can, and here's how we're going to do it. Can they get their hands on those? 
Well, so so Oregon State and Washington State will get the documents. Mm-hmm. They can't disclose them publicly, right? And they and they can't use them in another lawsuit. And it doesn't make any difference from from whom the documents come. Okay. So it it might be the the ten trader schools. Uh, it might be they send requests or subpoenas rather to um, other conferences. Um, wherever those documents come from, Oregon State, Washington State can only use them in in this case. But let's say that they they discover some really really bad smoking gun type mm-hmm. of documents. Right. Well, they can go to the parties involved and say, okay, I know we can only use it in this one lawsuit, but nothing stops us from filing a new lawsuit <laughs> and we're going to send, we're going to request the same documents and you're going to have to disclose those same documents. And we know how that will impact okay. you and impact our case against you. Right. So with all of what you're saying, are we surprised that there hasn't been some negotiations of making a deal? Well, well, from what we believe, from what's been disclosed in court filings, is that the parties are in a mediation process right now. It started on October 2nd, and it is to extend to the end of the month. And of course, you know, the last day of the month is Halloween, which is an orange and black holiday. <laughs> Do you make predictions? Sure. What's your prediction? Beavers beat um, the Wildcats. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry, Alan. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Damn right. And hopefully the officials won't feel like they need to have some makeup calls for the benefit of Arizona State. Yeah. But no, he, you. John, you're asking him to predict what a final outcome. What happens on October 31st? What happens November 14th? What are you asking? That's him to a predict? great, great question. I will narrow it down. I guess. Well, the prediction on do they win the liabilities and assets? Yes, that that's almost a slam dunk. Is it, Alan? Oh, I think so. Okay. I uh, I've reviewed the. Uh, I. I I've reviewed uh, Oregon State's response to the motions to dismiss by both the Pac-12 and and uh, University of Washington. When I reviewed the original motions, I wasn't overly convinced. There were a couple of issues that I made note for. Oregon State filed its uh, response on uh, Friday, and I thought they were very effective in dismantling the arguments raised by uh, the conference, the commissioner, and the Huskies. Okay. Do you? So I am confident that Oregon State has a very, very strong hand when it comes to control of the, the board, the conference, and the assets. So I don't think that there is a lot of risk for Oregon State to say, okay, well, instead of taking 100% of the assets, we'll agree with you all and we'll divide the assets and uh, you guys get 60% and we get 40% or 50-50 even. I, I don't think there's much incentive for Oregon State to do that. <clears throat> but we're hopefully, if Oregon State were to enter into some sort of a settlement, they would address bigger issues as part of that settlement. So what happens with the, 
Power Five status, what happens with autonomy, what happens with the college football playoff. Hopefully, they could get to some of those questions. Now, they might not be able to. I mean, it it takes two sides to uh, anyone can negotiate, but it takes two sides to agree. And if they aren't there yet, well, that's fine. Then we'll just go ahead and let the motion be heard, and we'll take control of the conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, Alan, because we're really talking about two things here, taking control of the conference and this outside issue that would affect everybody all in, in college football, and that is this what is seems to be obvious uh, uh, suppression of being able to do business. In other words, you look at this and you think teams took other teams and it affected two institutions that were just going along to get along and, and making their way. And now all of a sudden they, they're left out. They can't do business. To me, that seems like a, a national type of collusion type of lawsuit, which is the other issue. And I'm surprised that that hasn't come up yet. Oh, it's, I'm sure it's come up in private discussions and in this mediation. It, it's not an issue for this lawsuit. Right, right. So whatever happens on the 14th, it's not the end of the story. If it's only, if they haven't come to a settlement of some kind, Washington State and Oregon State, and they get control of the assets, which you're expecting, that doesn't mean, well, that's it. That's all you get, and it's over, and good luck in rebuilding yourselves. You feel like there's still more at the other end of that as they pursue these matters to the end. Yes. In fact, it, the re, the ruling on the hearing on the 14th won't even resolve the lawsuit. Right. It's just a preliminary injunction, and the lawsuit continues. Yeah. And it, it's in the continuation of the lawsuit that they could seek broader discovery. Yeah. Okay. Alan, we're out of time today, as always. We appreciate your making time for us and your perspective Let's talk again soon. I'm sure we will. Thank you for breaking down Dellinger and others. Let's be in touch, sir. Thanks for your time today. You are welcome. Appreciate you both. Thank you, Alan. Let's take the final break right here. Yeah, no, we're not. We go to the top. Well, I thought you said... uh, No, four minutes till the end of the show. Oh, but I thought you said we had another break. Uh Uh-uh. Oh. That's all right. We can kill it. I got a lot to say. Oh, okay. That's why I was rushing him out the door. When well, you gave me that, I thought, oh. I'm glad you did because we go up against it too much and I always I get know. nervous. So you just gifted me a non-nervous Good. hour. That's it. I, I rarely do, but it, it is. It's more <laughs> no, you drive me nuts because you keep going and going and going. Lauren says, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. We've got uh, Rod Gilmore, who will join us tomorrow at 12.05. Beautiful. Lauren Sisler will be the sideline reporter. And she has a fascinating story, which is, I thought, hey, Lauren Sisler, do I know her? I don't know that name. So Rod Rod reached out to Lauren, hey, the guys at the Joe Beaver Show would like to talk to you. Are you able? And Lauren has given Rod her cell number, and he shared it with me. So we'll reach out to Lauren Sisler. Fascinating story in that she's been willing to talk about it. She was a collegiate gymnast. She's been a sideline reporter, well-known in the SEC world, mm-hmm. the SEC network, and she's done a lot. Of, she hasn't, I don't know how often she's ventured out here to do games. I'm not familiar with her work. Right. Does a name ring no. the bell at all? No. Doesn't to me either. We'll meet her this week on the show, maybe tomorrow. Unless she's done some gymnastics maybe Thursday, broadcasts. Maybe. But 
and she's done a lot of gymnastics announcing in the SEC and mm. college football in the SEC and other places in other regions of the country. But she'll be the sideline reporter for the Beavers at Arizona at Arizona Stadium in Tucson. Both of her parents died on the same day of drug overdoses. Oh. Fentanyl. And they, they were in about six years ago, I think. Oh. And they were both addicted. And her dad found his wife dead of an overdose. Yeah. And then he took one that enabled him to join her. Whoa. In just a terribly tragic and she's story. About it? And she suppressed it for years. But because she feels like she has a platform and an opportunity to try to help people, yeah. she's now she's speaking with great courage out of her own personal pain and tragedy of losing her parents about these issues. Oh, that's awful. It is awful. Now, I don't want to belabor that per se with her. No, 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 no. We want to talk about her, but, but, but she's also give a her, public speaker right, and give her who is going around... To try to educate young people and all people, these were her parents. And I'm going to learn more about her and her story, and some of you may be very familiar with it. If if you're in the gymnastics world, if you too have been touched in this horrible uh, world and reality of uh, opioid uh, abuse and and the tragedies that have been involved with that, Lauren Sisler lost both of her parents. Off. She is the sideline reporter in Tucson Saturday, and she's consented to join us. So we'll talk to her either tomorrow or Thursday. Rod Gilmore tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today and for all of the input. We appreciate your calls and texts, and we'll try it again tomorrow right back here on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio.